You're listening to Athletes the Other Side, a podcast that explores the past sportsmen and women tread when they're not competing in the sporting arena. With your host, Ben Nichols. So welcome back to Athletes the Other Side, this newish podcast that explores the unsung sides of athletes' lives there, many chapters away from sport. And so here we are, it's episode six. I'm Ben Nichols, formerly of the World Anti-Doping Agency, Commonwealth Games, Dubai Tennis Championships and more. And today in this sixth outing, I'm speaking to an athlete with a never-say-die attitude like few others. As prepared for success as he is professional in delivering it. And after today's episode, I have no doubt that you'll be energised to go out and do your very own Ironman of sorts and set the bar higher than the previous day because today's guest is all about striving to be better than the previous day. Hailing from Minnesota, my guest today is a professional triathlete and a coach for triathletes, cyclists and runners. He has an extensive background as an athlete and is one highly educated sportsman when it comes to anything related to sport. As an athlete, he comes from a wrestling background, but running has always been a passion of his. And back in 2014, his first year as a pro, he set three run course records and won the Ironman Chattanooga in Tennessee. He has since tallied 10 professional wins, including three North American championship titles. And remarkably, this former professor of exercise science also owns the fastest ever time at an Ironman branded full distance event. Wait for it. 7 hours, 39 minutes and 25 seconds, where he also clocked the fastest ever marathon off the bike with a time of 2.34. Today he has his own coaching business for athletes from a plethora of sports, not least cycling, swimming, running and triathlon itself. His business offers customised training strategies that covers nutrition, race plans and anything the modern day athlete might need in 2020. He does all this from a city of 10,000 people, Storm Lake in Iowa. So my sixth guest on Athletes the Other Side is Matt Hansen. Matt, welcome to Athletes the Other Side. Great to have you on the show. How are, how are you doing and where, where do I find you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm in uh, Storm Lake, Iowa for now, uh, packing up the house and about to... Uh, move out to uh, Colorado here in a couple of weeks. We'll uh, be living in Castle Rock, just south of Denver. Fantastic. And how's your, it's been a strange year for everyone. And, you know, I think particularly for athletes as well that have been preparing for things that might never have happened or have happened in unusual circumstances without, without fans or spectators or whatever it may be. How, how have you found the whole experience this year? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been a, been a tough year on a number of different levels. Um, you know, our ability to uh, make a living is kind of backed by our ability to compete. And so that's obviously been, been hindered and, you know, just being able to do what we love. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in this sport because it's, it's something that I absolutely love doing. And, and, um, you know, that's been the hardest part, you know, it's, there was a number of races. I, I was maybe overly optimistic that, uh, things were gonna, gonna happen in, in August and then in, you know, early September. And so I was, you know, fully prepped for a few races that, uh, canceled maybe two weeks out, you know, leading into August, which was tough. Mm. And then leading in, you know, another one leading into the beginning of September, um, you know, that we didn't find out till, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand. So it was, you know, hard to just, uh, keep things in focus when, uh, when you're preparing for things that just keep getting canceled and then, 
and then just to keep preparing uh, when you're not really sure, you know, what's on the radar. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it worked out well. Um, thankfully, mm-hmm. I was able to squeeze in a race uh, this last weekend uh, out in in uh, the Utah Idaho border. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, we found out about the race about. Uh, two and a half weeks before it actually happened. So it was good wow. that I had a little bit of fitness <laughs> and could kind of panic train and, and get ready for that and just, you know, go back and get back to doing uh, what we love to do. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you like me, are, we're optimists, I think. So it's been a difficult year for optimists, especially as we look yes. to come back from this pandemic. And, you know, across the world, it's a bit stop start with sort of second waves of, of COVID. So we'll get through it. But uh, I, I want to go back to a, a different time. Well, well, well before um, the, the difficult year that is 2020. Um, I read something about you at age 16 when you were challenged to make a list of 50 goals uh, to complete in the in the 10 years up until your 26th birthday and for some reason um, one of those goals was to complete an Ironman triathlon do you like to set yourself nice and easy goals obviously <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the easier the better right uh, no I mean that's something that I was you know very fortunate uh, my dad was always uh, very much involved in in my life growing up and and one thing that uh he taught me, and you know, I probably took a little bit for granted, but he taught me very early on uh, how to set goals and and the importance of them, and and to uh, make sure that you know, you know, it's not just you know something that you want; it's something that you're gonna spend time and go after. And so, yeah, I made that uh, that list. I was challenged by a, a, a mentor of mine at a at a wrestling camp uh, mm. to make that list of 50 goals and, and, uh, that had a 10 year timeline. I kept that with me pretty much every, you know, in my wallet for 10 years. And mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I never, you know, some of the, th- you know, when you're 16 trying to make a list of 50 things that you want to do in 10 years is, is, <laughs> uh, you know, you get to, you know, maybe 20 of them and then you start struggling a little bit and, you know, mm-hmm. I still don't know why I put to do an Ironman, but, but I did. And, I never knew anybody that did one. I, I hadn't been to one personally. I think I probably saw the the NBC special on Ironman Hawaii once or something mm. and had it in my head. And so it was like number 48 on the list. And uh, I think 49 was on a monkey. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was grasping at straws uh, at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, I took that list pretty seriously and, and uh, you know, never envisioned it would dictate where i am you know here at age 35 but lo and behold it did absolutely and we'll come on to some of those great accomplishments you've had in the years since but do you think looking back you know in hindsight does that decision to you know put the iron man on the on the bucket list as well does that speak to your character as someone that's always tried to raise the bar a bit further and always set yourself new challenges each time yeah i mean i i enjoy finding out how like how deep I can go. Um, you know, that's kind of what drives me. It's really, you know, most of the time it's really not, you know, beating somebody else per se, or, or, you know, getting any of the accolades or anything like that. Uh, it's really just finding out what I can do and, and, um, you know, what I can, uh, you know, how I can push myself to, to do something one step better than I did before. And, and, um, you know, it really, that was my process, you know, in, in high school and in different sports, 
not related at all to triathlon, but, um, you know, and it was the same way both in the classroom and, and in the athletic arena. Absolutely. And you, you also said, um, you've also said that, and this is really what resonated, made me want to, want to have a chat with you, you know, everything you do needs to have a purpose. It's about, it's not about crushing one single session and it's about showing up day in, day out and executing each session to the best of your ability that to me speaks purpose right there you know it's a real reason to constantly improve and drive yourself forward are you someone that sort of you know holistically sees your time on this planet as precious and you want you don't want to waste a single moment is that how you see life i mean yeah i mean we're we're given it you know everything we do we're essentially exchanging a day of our life for and so I mean, that, that definitely is something that, uh, is always on the forefront, but, uh, you know, the, the other side of that coin is is I kind of got myself in trouble a couple, uh, you know, when I first started, uh, in the sport, you know, coming to things with more of a wrestling mentality, um, Mm. you know, where you have to beat every workout, you have to be the one that's working the hardest day in and day out. And, and I really wasn't, uh, you know, I was, often doing two, you know, if, if my coach would say, you know, hold this intensity, I would try to go 10% harder every time. And that was the kind of the wrestling mentality mm-hmm. that I have, you know, that doesn't work in, in an ultra endurance sport. And that ended up, uh, you know, when I was young I could absorb that load and then until I couldn't, and I kind of went off a cliff and, and, uh, so it's just, that's, that's kind of the other side of that now is, is, uh, you know, executing the session as it's written and not trying to kill it, you know, just because if I do that, then I'm going to, you know, a couple of days later, I'm going to have to take, you know, too much time off. So, uh, you know, it's having a trust in the process that the coaches and that, and I develop. And then mm. my job is, is to trust that process and execute. Absolutely. And, and coming to, you know, perhaps what you're known best for uh, amongst kind of the sporting world, you're a five-time Ironman champion. Now, firstly, to those of us out there that don't know much about Ironman, I'm sure we've we've heard of it. It's kind of, a, to me, it's a brand that's really proliferated in recent years, and it's done a great job, certainly, of marketing itself and really putting its name out there. To those that are less familiar with it, tell us what is Ironman and how do you how do you even get into it? Uh, Ironman is uh, well, the the full distance is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then capped off with a marathon. Um, yeah. And like you said, I, I got into it based off a goal that I, uh, wrote when I was 16, I guess. So, uh, when I was, uh, you know, 25, I, I looked at that goal list. I kind of had a habit of doing it every year on my birthday and seeing, you know, what could I go after? And, um, you know, that was still one that I could go after. I was in grad school at the time and really had no money. And so I bought a very cheap used bike off of eBay and, and, uh, you know, tried to, learn how to swim again. You know, I'd been in the pool as a little kid, but never done any like, uh, you know, structured swimming by any means or competitive swimming. And so mm-hmm. really it was relearning how to, how to swim. And, and, uh, just, you know, the goal was just to get to the finish line and kind of be a one and done kind of thing. But, uh, I ended up uh, in my first shot, um, qualifying for the world championships as an amateur in uh, Kona, Hawaii. And, mm-hmm that's when I kind of realized that I had found my new lifelong hobby, uh, or at least at the time, that's what I thought. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed is certainly Ironman triathlon over the years. It's really, um, 
you know grown in popularity you certainly hear a lot of a lot more about it than perhaps you used to um from the outside in and maybe that's because you know these are participation sports they're there's something you know people can get involved in in doing a half marathon for charity doing a marathon and then one thing leads to another and some sports don't really lend themselves to that do you think you've really noticed yourself kind of the popularity of it grow amongst the population in the states or across the world um yeah for a while it was growing um i think it stagnated out a little bit uh in the in the last year or two as crossfit and uh, um, some of the ocr or adventure course uh, races started to gain in popularity. I think uh, that took some of the same mentality from from uh, uh, you know same the mentality that leads people to triathlon kind of took them over to to those sports a little bit. You know, I think it drives a lot of the Type A people who want to be known as the kind of the biggest badass on their block, and they yeah. do CrossFit or something like that. They can do it in an hour a day and not have to give up. Uh, you know, uh, a six-hour weekend or, or a six-hour day on Saturday to ride their bike mm-hmm. and then follow up three hours on Sunday to run. Uh, so I think that was a little <laughs> bit more appealing for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, globally, you know, it, it's really gro- growing in, in certain areas. You know, Europe, it, it's absolutely huge. There's, you know, Ironman is a major brand, but they also have a, 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 a brand called Challenge, um, which mm-hmm. is, is growing pretty quick and you know in in uh parts of asia it's actually growing quite quickly as well in china it's it's really booming there as well so um yeah i guess that's a it's it grew quickly here in the u.s um and then it kind of tapered petered off a little bit but you know i think if we do things the right way we'll be able to get back to some some level of growth uh as uh as the sport continues to evolve yeah, and one of the things, you know, one of your biggest accomplishments surely has to be that you own the fastest ever time at an Ironman branded full distance event. If I'm right, it's seven hours, 39 minutes, 25 seconds. Uh, and please tell me if I'm wrong. But that that must be a huge kind of something you're hugely proud of. What does it take to be an Ironman champion and to make records like that? Yeah, I mean, well, that day it took a number of things. One, the uh, the weather conditions were absolutely perfect. Um, you know, everybody goes in with a with a time goal in mind, or you know, a lot of the, uh, the amateurs want to go in with a time goal in mind. But you know, they they really underestimate how much the weather conditions are going to play a role. Uh, if it's really hot and humid, or or super windy, or something like that, which it certainly can be in Texas where that record was set. Um, but we caught a day where it was like mid 60s and no wind and it gave us a nice little rain right when i got off the bike to cool down and and so it was literally just uh, i couldn't have scripted better weather and then the other side of that uh was you know someone else had a and uh their the best day of their life as well and so the two of us were basically battling it out the entire time on the run you know he sat in my uh, in my back pocket for about 25 and a half miles uh and and was you know, pushing me literally every step of the way until the last half mile when I finally uh, got a little bit of a gap on him and, and made the rubber band snap. Um, but, you know, so so that day was kind of a perfect storm on a number of levels. And, you know, th- this podcast, it's as much as it's about what you've achieved on the field of play, if you like, you know, it's, it's also about the things you do away from away from sport that people are less familiar with and those other kind of professional accomplishments. And, and one of the things that struck me was you became a professor of exercise science. 
when, where, and why, I guess, did you study that? What was the end goal? Was it curiosity, interest, or was it a career goal? What What do you think was the driver for that? Yeah, I mean, my, from from the time that I went to, to college, I, I knew you know, when I left high school, I, I knew what I wanted or thought I knew what I wanted to do, and that was to to be a college professor and, and to, um, you know, to be doing research in the exercise science field. Um, you know, the, I've always loved sport and the human body just, uh, just fascinated me and, you know, finding out what, what makes it work and what can make it work better or worse was, was always of interest to me. And so that's what I went to, you know, school for, for, I guess, eight years. And, and that's Mm -hmm. what, uh, um, you know, I, I planned my, you know, my life to, to be, I, I don't, do you, do you guys have uh, um, tenure in the UK? We we might do. I'm not aware of it. So t- tell us more. Okay. So I mean, tenure in the US is you know for for college professors is essentially job security for life, and mm. you know there's a number of steps that you have to do at each university to to get that, and you know publish X number of times and do X you know amount of service and have you know good reviews and whatnot. And basically, I had just been approved for uh, tenure when uh, I uh, won the North American Championship in 2015, uh, okay. and kind of uh, yeah pulled the pin on on the uh, professor side of things and decided to to pursue sport full time. And is that something you might come back to one day? If you like, you say put the pin in it, but actually that might come out again at some point. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, they can never take education away from you. And so that's, you know, something that's always an option. You know, obviously uh, what I'm doing now is still very much uh, related to the education that I that I had. And, you know, I'm I've got a uh, been able to do some sponsor sponsorship stuff where I can do some research for some of the, the team, the, the partners that I have, you know, like I've been able to help with um some product development uh, on the nutrition side of things with my um, nutrition partner, First Endurance. Uh, you know, so I'm still able to use that you know education in some way. You know, teaching is something that I always loved. Um, you know, I definitely miss being in the classroom. Don't necessarily miss the late nights of grading and things like that. But mm. um, you know, right now I I I would really hope that I can retire in the sport. I mean, that you know, once I can't keep up with uh, the the pro field anymore you know I, mm. i'm trying to develop a, a coaching business and and things mm. like that to uh you know be able to just stay in the sport and continue to give back um to you know the sport that you know hopefully made made my career absolutely and let, let's come on to that coaching business it's you know matt handsome racing it's another one of the the hats you wear it covers nutrition race preparation training what what are the different skills that you think you need for coaching if you compare that to to competing in triathlon yeah i mean that's that's one of the the hardest things is is uh that you're you know with when the profession of coaching there's you know there's certifications and things like that but really you know i've spent eight years studying about the human body and competed at a very high level and i you know i still want to constantly know more uh, about how it works and, you know, so I can continue to learn and continue to just give better and better advice. Um, you know, unfortunately our governing bodies say that you go to a two, you know, two day certification class and, uh, and pay Mm. a yearly subscription fee and you can coach. And so it's, 
kind of doesn't, signal that it's hard to doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's hard to uh, get the um, you know get the um, you know, pres- you know uh, prestige might be not the best word, but it's it's hard to give the field uh, you know some of the clout that it deserves when when you know the governing body is allowing that. But um, you know, the way that I've tried to to set up my coaching business is. Um, you know, any new coach that I bring on, I, I have 12 coaches total. Um, and mm. so any new coach that I bring on has to work under me as like an apprenticeship situation for the first year in order to, you know, to be able to at least control or to know that, that they're going to deliver quality programs. And so they need to have that certification that the governing bodies say, but then um, I want them also to, to have a level of experience. And and you know, I'm not trying to create people who are doing the exact same thing I do. I want everybody mm-hmm. to, you know, I don't want robots. I want independent thinkers that are working yeah. for me. But you know, it's just been a way to, you know, to try to protect um, what I'm trying to grow. And and do you have with your kind of your coaching brand, if you like, do you have a sort of tried and tested formula for, for success for coaching? Do you think, or are you always adjusting your methods depending on how the sport evolves and what you see and learn along the way? You have to always evolve, uh, always change, and it's going to be very different for every individual. And that's the hardest thing that people don't really understand. You know, they read the one, you know, the books that are out there and go, "Okay, everybody follows this same thing." But you know, the human body isn't a robot, and mm-hmm. you, you can't put in, you know, X input and expect Y output for every single individual. And it's really learning about how your athlete ticks, both mentally and physically, and then just making a program that works best for them. And then obviously you have to cater it around their specific goals in the sport, their specific needs. You know, I, I really don't think the the factory approach really uh, works where, you know, everybody gets the same workouts and, you know, that are doing the same race. And, you know, yeah, they might make some gains, but um, they're, you know, you're probably leaving a lot on the table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving to a different area, something that really interests me and, and certainly touches on kind of my own career working with athletes in, in Olympic and non-Olympic sport is how athletes kind of fund their their careers, their lives, how how I guess profitable they can they can become with with the brands they 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 they're known for through their sporting success. I mean, being an athlete in a, you know, I guess call it an Olympic sport coming from the United States, how hard is it generally to make a living and what challenges are there for today's athletes, do you think? I mean, it's it's really tough especially early on in people's career, you know, I, I actually feel like I kind of got pretty lucky in this and that I was working full time and, and was in a position where I was able to, to train, you know, at a relatively high level still with that job, you know, the pool was literally one door down from my office. Um, and so I could swim over lunch hour, uh, you know, for example, and just be really efficient with my time. Mm-hmm. And, so I was in a, a fortunate situation there, but, you know, I, I you know, the people who want to come, you know, straight from, you know, college or university and, and try to get into the sport full time, um, you know, it, it's a grind. And, and um, you know, I, I know a lot of the young kids are, are I guess, young men or young women in the, in the sport or, you know, have two or three roommates living together in, a, mm-hmm. in an apartment trying to, to make ends meet at at uh, the shorter distance, like the Olympic distance, um, there's some federation and, and uh, support in that regard. But uh, for long course athletes, at least in the uh, in the U.S., there's really no federation support in any way. And so, 
um, you know, until you develop kind of the resume to, to encourage some sponsors to kick in a few dollars here and there, uh, it can be a, a pretty big grind, you know, especially in a year like this where you can't race at all. Or, you know, if you have an injury or something like that, that keeps you racing from racing for nine months or something, it can be pretty tough. And do you find there's a big distinction in the States, at least between Olympic athletes and then the pro sport athletes? I mean, certainly in England, there's, you know, there's different schools of thought. There's people see athletes as kind of maybe Premier League footballers or, or soccer players, as you guys would call them. But, uh, you know, earning huge amount of money, hugely profitable during their career, big sponsorship, uh, very big salaries. And then on the other uh, on the flip side, you've got Olympic athletes who who might have gone through higher education, who are hugely you know smart, educated people by and large, but actually they're the ones that are, are not just walking into a, an easy career afterwards. They have to reinvent themselves. Um, they don't have that sponsorship. They have to go on to a, a totally different career, and they can't you know trade off their past glories. So there's certainly that distinction between pro sports and the Olympic sports world in the UK. And I wonder in the US if there's that similar kind of divide up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got, you know, the baseball, the big four sports, you know, baseball, um, basketball, football, and, and, um, and hockey, um, that definitely make, you know, big, big time money, obviously golf, tennis, and, and those are in there as well. And then, you know, the Olympic athletes, you know, they do have federation support. So while they're in the sport, they're making, you know, uh, uh, decent you know they're, they're in a livable situation um mm. but yeah afterwards you know and you know the pro triathletes would be in the same situation for after the sport where you know you're not making enough where you can put enough away to to protect yourself afterwards um most of us aren't you know the 99 percent of us are not and so it's it's you know in the last couple of years of their career it's it's got to be a, a transition you know you while you still have some relevancy in the sport if, if you, you you've kind of got to transition and and try to figure out a way to um if you want to stay in the sport a way to you know use what you've accomplished to um you know develop something on the business side of things um to do that and um some do that and some go off and start an entirely different career and and um yeah, it's definitely it definitely has to be something that is mindfully thought about um, for everybody. You know, hopefully I've got a number of years left in the sport, but it's it's definitely something that's still on on my mind on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and something I've noticed in sport in recent years is definitely a, a growing sort of athlete rights movement, a bigger athlete voice. Athletes becoming more kind of um, activists, if you like. And I've seen in triathlon, the professional triathletes organization form. Tell us a bit about what that organization means, what it, what it stands for. Um, again, they are kind of projecting themselves more and more. What, what's, uh, what's the end goal with that? Yeah. So that, that's relatively new. Uh, so, I mean, I guess for lack of a better term, it's, it's a union. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it's really there to help, um, you know, address some of the issues that that i've kind of mentioned already um you know we've pro triathletes have tried to do this a number of different times and it, it's just not gotten legs it's not been able to take off uh this mm -hmm. one this the business model that that it's it's going after um this time is is definitely i think going to make it um it, it's got guaranteed funding for five years so mm -hmm. Um, I'm really excited about um, about what it can do, and and really, it's it's there to promote 
the sport to promote the athletes and you know to provide some of those resources like helping us get health insurance you know if if i wasn't married you know you know at least in the us we don't have that you know from the government so if i wasn't married mm-hmm. that would be you know a big expense out of pocket but i can get mm-hmm. it from my work but for those that aren't may struggle with that you know so like providing those things um you know, helping with some media content and and um, to make ourselves more valuable to outside sponsors. Um, eventually, I think they're going to be helping to get non-endemic sponsors and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, they're they're really um, going about it in the right way. I think. You know, obviously, I don't agree a hundred percent with everything that they do, but mm-hmm. uh, on the grand scheme of things, I think that uh, it's really going to, in the long term, elevate us in the sport. And uh, I mean, for me personally, they've they've definitely been a huge help. The race that I was I was able to do last weekend, and the one that I'll do in two weeks. Um, we basically, uh, found out about it. The PTO just stepped in and was like, Hey, this is a local grassroots event. We talked them into having a pro field. We threw 20 K at it for a prize purse. Go have fun. You know, so they yeah. just gave us, the, you know, they bought us the ability to race and, and, you know, it wasn't like a hugely profitable day by any means, but we got to go out and race and so do what, you know, to actually feel like we're working. And, uh, you know, so that was just, that was a huge deal. And, you know, they implemented a year end bonus, which they paid us in, in May, I think this year, which they didn't have mm-hmm. to until December just to help get us through. And so, you know, like I said, I, I think they're, they're doing a lot and doing what they can to, to help the athletes and then help elevate the sport. Yeah, well, I think it's a really welcome step and it's something we're going to see more of across Olympic sport because I think it's it's been an area perhaps that's been lacking a bit um, until now. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's a healthy step. It involves the athletes. It furthers their careers and, and really empowers them to to go on and help, like you say, give back to their sport, achieve well and, and go on to the next stage of their careers as well. So it'd be interesting to see see where that gets to. Um, just before we just before we. Um, just before we move on, uh, there's a huge amount, obviously, you're, you're 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 doing now with your life. What do you think's next for for Matt Hanson? What's what's coming up in the future for you? Uh, right now, I'm I'm focused on. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, hopefully, if uh, things hold out for the next month, I'll be able to race a couple more times here, uh, and then I got to move out to Colorado. So uh, definitely a busy 30 days here for me. Um, and then after that, uh, we've got the, the PTO is hosting a, a championship event in Daytona. Um, it's going to be uh, where the Daytona 500 is, which I'm not sure if you know where that is, but it's on a yeah. closed, basically, race loop, uh, race course. And so there, mm-hmm. as long as the world, you know, the athletes from around the world can get there, um, it's going to be a, a million-dollar prize purse, which is the biggest prize purse ever in uh in triathlon so um it's going to be a huge event and so that's my next focus after that and then you know it's just going to be holding off and uh you know finding out how things shake out for 2021 great stuff or exciting times ahead uh matt thanks so much for joining me uh just before we just before we tail off we do have one more section left it's six quick fire questions in our other side section and that's coming up next You're listening to Athletes, The Other Side. 
Okay, Matt, welcome back. And uh, this section, we really try and look at the lighter side of life, find out a bit more about the person, um, the, the person behind the athlete. And starting off, question number one, what's your favorite sporting moment of all time? Uh, Michael Phelps winning the, uh, the 2008, all the gold medals in 2008. I remember sitting in, in, uh, my little apartment, uh, with hmm. my wife and just going nuts, you know, when they won the four by one, which they're the big underdogs. That was a pretty exciting moment for me. Yeah. And he obviously went on to a huge amount of success. And I remember that game as well. That was the start of it all, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, question two, your favorite other side or non-sporting moment from your life? Oh, uh, that, this one was, these, the, these questions are tough. I felt like I was, uh, in, my wife's in student affairs and I, I felt like I was, you know, trying to channel, uh, her energy here. For these. Um, yeah, I, I, there's so many, um, little things, uh, that, that I can, but the, my favorite moment is just times that I've been able to spend with my dad growing up. Um, mm. that you know, those are, or times on the farm. That's uh, I couldn't think of any like grand life moment uh, outside of that. That that's what I kept coming to. Fantastic. Sometimes it's the softer moments. Looking back, isn't it? Um, next up, what book are you currently reading? The the sad thing is here is I haven't actually read a physical book for quite a while. I do. I listen to uh, ebooks, uh, mm-hmm. two, three a week, probably, but, uh, I, I haven't been reading much as of late. And any, any ebooks that you, uh, you recommend that you've been involved, been listening to lately? Uh, my, my favorite is, uh, I am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. I think, uh, it's okay. about 25 hours long. So I, I think I've listened to that three times now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number four, uh, one surprising fact that people might not know about you. I wrestled uh, all through uh, high school and up to college. I, I didn't really come to triathlon until I was uh, 20, 26, 27. Uh, so wrestling was always my sport. So it's uh, quite a different uh, different physique than than uh, what I need to have now. Absolutely, and that, that's that's so interesting that you you know you transferred to a sport like triathlon from wrestling and. And obviously, you know, to many people, that's quite late. Uh, how, how did that sort of s- switch happen? Or was it more a, a transition, would you call it? Yeah, I mean, I always loved or I always enjoyed running. Um, and once I, I dislocated my hip uh, freshman year wrestling. And so that was the end of that career. And so then I just kind of started running a little bit. And when I was in grad school, you know, I was really by myself. I didn't know anybody and so I just, I was running to, you know, as a stress relief and cause I enjoyed it. And then, um, you know, with the goals it, uh, I started training for the triathlon, um, to, to get, you know, tick that box off and, and then just kind of fell in love with the sport from there. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received or given, do you think? Uh, process is, is the best. I, uh, when I was first starting out, I was, uh, working as an athletic trainer and I got to work with some really good coaches and some really bad coaches, uh, you know, just kind of follow, um, you know, follow, you know, at practice at games and, and watch how they interact with their athletes. And, and, uh, one of the, one of the better coaches that I had the pleasure of, of working with, um, always, you know, before every, he was a baseball coach before every game is like, it's not about, you know, obviously the, you know, it's about winning. That's what we want to do, but we're not going to do that. If we don't stick to the process, everything Mm -hmm. we have to do, we have to stick with, you know, 
approach every at bat with the same, you know, mental approach to every pitch, every, every defensive play. And, uh, you know, just being able to stick to the process is, is something that, um, when I'm, when I'm going really well, it's, it, I'm doing that when I start focusing on the, on, uh, outcomes rather than on the preparation, then, uh, typically the performances start to, to decline. Yeah. You reap the rewards from process for sure. Uh, last but not least, your top three dinner party guests that you'd like to invite to the Hanson household in, in your new place in Colorado. Yeah, this is another one that I that I struggled with. My grandpa was an easy one, um, and then I think uh, the, I, I kept on coming back to the entire Journey band. Uh, I was a big <laughs> fan growing up, and then the entire Eagles. <laughs> wow, that's going to be a, a crowded dinner table and an interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with three. <laughs> so it's a tough one, uh, Matt. Fantastic. That's been absolutely brilliant to hear more about that side of your life, and certainly you know the professional side as well. Everything you've achieved, it's really remarkable and, and inspirational. I'm sure listeners will be hugely energized and. And be going on to try and achieve their very own versions of Iron Man themselves. Um, so great stuff! Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And and finally, before we before we finish off, tell us how how can listeners find you with your your coaching business, your personal website, social media? Tell it tell us how we can follow you. Yeah, I try to make it easy. Pretty much everything is Matt Hanson. Try that's Hanson with an O. Um, for for the personal side of things and then matt hansen racing for the coaching side of things brilliant okay well there it is uh good luck with the move coming up and everything uh, that's ahead of you and um keep up the great work all right thank you much well it was brilliant to get matt on the show today and learn more about his go-getting attitude to life and thank you to you all for listening this has been episode six of athletes the other side And the response to this podcast since the launch just a matter of weeks ago has been amazing. So thank you all. If you've enjoyed this sixth episode of Athletes the Other Side and want to see what else is to come, then don't forget to subscribe. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts, whatever your tipple. Leave us a review. Please rate us. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Athletes TOS. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and goodbye for now.